0: Hello, everyone, and welcome once again to the 50 Years Ago in Hockey podcast. I'm your host, Rick Cole, and each week we take you on a journey down memory lane, back in time 50 years, and we report on all the hockey news that was taking place in the words of some of the greatest sports writers of all time. This time around, we are in the week of August 9th to 15th, 1971. Everyone's favorite time of the year is just right around the corner, college football season. To celebrate, DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top-rated sportsbook app, is putting new players in the center of the action with $200 in free bets instantly if you bet $1 or more in any college football game. Take advantage of this limited-time offer right now. You heard it right, DraftKings has given all new players... in free bets instantly when you place a bet of $1 or more on any college football game, no matter what. Head to the DraftKings Sportsbook app right now to check out all the great promotions and daily odds boosts that they're offering. DraftKings Sportsbook's safe, secure, and reliable, located right in the United States, so it's easy to deposit and withdraw your money at your convenience. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code THPN. That's THPN for the Hockey Podcast Network to receive $200 in free bets when you place a $1 bet on any college football game. That's promotional code T-H-P-N to get your free $200 in free bets instantly. That's for a limited time only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Must be 21 or older, New Jersey, Indiana, and Pennsylvania only. New no customers only and restrictions do apply. See DraftKings.com slash Sportsbook for details. Got a gambling, gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in Indiana, one 800 nine with it we are also sponsored by newspapers.com that's the world's largest online newspaper archive and they enable us to do all our great research and of course the breakwall brewing company located in beautiful downtown Port Colborne, Ontario. If you're enjoying what we do here every week, uh, please subscribe to the podcast at patreon.com slash hockey50years. Our subscribers get early access to each week's episode, plus a lot of special bonus content we're putting out. Uh, over the rest of the summer and throughout the hockey season where we get a chance to take a deep dive into some of the issues that were front and center in the hockey world 50 years ago. That's patreon.com slash hockey 50 years to subscribe. Well, we're glad you've uh, stuck with us through the summer. Boy, summer's a long dry time for hockey news. And I must admit, it's been a bit of a struggle to get all the news that we could find uh, for the podcast. But uh, it's now approaching the middle of August and we're starting to see some signs that hockey, the hockey world was coming back in life. Uh, things weren't really humming too much in this, the uh, sort of the first going into the second week of, uh, August there were a few signings some other tidbits that we heard of and we'll get to the quick hits right off the bat uh, so we can tell you just went on uh, before we get into a little bit of uh, some more detailed content the Flyers started things off this week by signing one of their two top junior draft picks, Pierre Plant, uh picked in the first round along with Larry Wright, uh was now signed and delivered for the Flyers. Now all Keith Allen had to do was get number 7 pick Larry Wright. He was 7th overall. Uh that might be a tougher assignment. <coughs> Wright is the a big rangy center from Regina, Saskatchewan. Who, who was given an excellent chance of making the Flyers NHL club right out, right out of training camp. Keith Allen said that Wright's agent, uh, he is actually in Boston, and uh, trying to get everybody together to talk contract was a real struggle for him. And he felt that was a delay, and he thought the Flyers would get... Uh, would get Larry Wright under contract, Wright very highly touted, big guy, center, just what an expansion team like the Flyers would need. By the way Pierre Plant taken right after uh, Wright, he's a uh, 6'1", 185 pound right wing, has a good scoring touch and he signed a two-year contract and Keith Allen also has high hopes that Pierre Plant can step right in to a uh, top six role on the flyers this fall at training camp flyers of course got the extra first round draft pick in the trade that sent bernie perant to the maple leafs and the leafs by the way were very happy with the outcome of that trade they got with the flyers Pick in the second round, a fellow by the name of Rick Kehoe out of the Hamilton Red Wings Juniors and Kehoe the Leafs say they had him rated at number ten overall, so when he was available in the second round, they were more than happy to snap him up, and they feel he's just as good as any player they could have gotten where they were picking in their with their own first round pick that they gave to the flyers. Here's an interesting note out of Montreal. The Montreal Expos Baseball Club has announced the signing of Michelle Dion, a Montreal native, to a professional baseball contract. Now, why are we talking about this here in this podcast? Well, Dion, who's 17 years old, was a goalkeeper with the Montreal Junior Canadians of the Ontario Hockey Association Junior A Series for the past two years uh uh, michelle dion is a catcher and he's going to play for the ville marie expos of the montreal junior baseball league for the rest of the summer but he's going to work out with the expos in late august and september while the club is at home and he's expected to attend the expos training camp in florida next spring so a young montreal boy has a chance to possibly become the first native montrealer to suit up for the expos a bit surprising because many felt that michelle dion could have made the nhl as a netminder. one thing we have to say about the vancouver canucks their uh, news media in vancouver was very good at reporting uh ...reporting hockey news throughout the entire summer. And Clancy LaRange, who is a a columnist for the uh, Vancouver province... ...has a report for us today. Uh, The Canucks actually made news all week. This from Monday, where Clancy writes that Andy Bathgate... ...wants to take a hockey coaching job in Switzerland... ...but the Canucks, who own his contract... ...don't want to encourage him in going into that field... Bud Poyle, the general manager of the Canucks, said we're not in a position to just give him his amateur card. Poyle said that he talked to NHL President Clarence Campbell about Bathgate and Campbell told Poyle apparently that Andy to take the job in uh, Europe would have to be reinstated as an amateur to coach in Switzerland. The process would have to be that Bathgate would have to announce Formally, his retirement as a professional hockey player, then he would have to be waived through all professional leagues. And then, and only then, would he be reinstated as an amateur. This is according to Bud Poyle, and we would expect that Bud would have done his homework on this. It's the waivers bit that's bothering Poyle at this point. Uh, Poyle says that we'd be taking a chance on losing him for only $1,000. Uh, Poyle said that he'd have to think that Joe Crozier, now the general manager coach of the American Hockey League Cincinnati Swords, would certainly be interested in Andy Bathgate. Uh, Crozier and Bathgate, of course, are very well uh, connected with each other Andy played for the Canucks before they joined the NHL in the Western Hockey League and Joe Crozier was the general manager and coach of that club at that time and Crozier would probably make it worth Bathgate's while to uh suit up with the swords but you got to think that punch him who knows bathgate well is uh, also would bring andy maybe even on to the uh, buffalo sabers so andy bathgate might have a problem getting to coach in switzerland this year a not so surprising announcement in canada's paper of record the toronto globe and mail early this week maple leaf gardens announces the appointment of dr Hugh Smythe as vice president of the company. Dr. Smythe has been a director of Maple Leaf Gardens Limited since December 17th 1970 and he's been a physician consultant of the hockey team for over 20 years. He was educated at the University of Toronto and took postgraduate studies in Europe and in 1955 he became a fellow of the Royal College of Physicians of Canada. He is president of the medical staff of Wellesley, Hospital, a member of the Board of Directors of the Canadian Arthritic and Rheumatism Society, and chairman of its medical and science committees. If the name Smythe sounds a little familiar, well, it should. He's the brother of Stafford Smythe, who, of course, is uh, with Harold Ballard, one of the two... Uh, top executives at Maple Leaf Gardens Limited and the Toronto Maple Leafs and I think what they could be doing here is Smythe and Ballard facing fraud charges are a little bit worried that they may end up uh, going to jail over this so they want to keep the family at the top of the hierarchy at Maple Leaf Gardens and this was probably a good way to do it. If you were hanging around the uh, Toronto area down near the waterfront specifically around the Royal York Hotel this week 50 years ago and you saw a bunch of National Hockey League GMs wandering around well here's why the National Hockey League uh, general managers and coaches were mostly staying at the Royal York Hotel and the reason for uh, them being in Toronto all protected players on each National Hockey League roster in a new rule this year had to be signed by August 20th or their contracts would automatically go to arbitration and NHL general managers and owners... don't want to roll the dice having an arbitrator determine what one of their players especially a star player is going to get paid so they're meeting a lot of the agents who are from toronto at the royal york this week there's also a board of governors meeting that was supposed to take place this week as well that board of governors meeting was set to discuss uh, some expansion plans But the WHA, the World Hockey Association, that is making noises about getting off the ground, well, they actually got the uh, governors of the NHL so... Uh, into a flap that they canceled the meeting and put it back till October so they could all do a little more research in their own cities. Hey, little bit of TV news out of St. Louis this week. 30 road games of the Blues and the NHL All-Star Game will be telecast during the 71-72 hockey season by KPLR-TV Channel 11 in St. Louis. Dan Kelly, of course, returns as the play-by-play announcer for the the blues and gus kyle will handle the color commentary i loved listening to the the blues radio broadcast on kmox out of st louis we could get it on my shortwave radio pretty easily every night and i really enjoyed listening to gus kyle's commentary but dan kelly was simply just one of the very best there ever was Well, by midweek, the Canucks were back in the news again. We told you they'd be around. And this is uh, what was going on. Bud Poyle said he sent out contract offers to 28 players. And also with those 28 players, they got invitations to training camp. But here's the rub. Only four contracts had been returned by midweek. Poyle said that the four players who returned the offers all rejected the Canucks salary offers and they were goalie George Gardner, forwards Rosie Pema, Mike Corrigan and Wayne Mackey. So we'll see what happens there. So far Bud Poyle not having much luck signing players. The North Stars were having a little better luck than the Canucks on the uh, signing front as the same day that the Vancouver announcement that they were having problems the Canucks inked four veteran players Dennis Hextall was acquired from California during the offseason along with Teddy Hampson Murray Oliver and defenseman Barry Gibbs. North also had a little bit of TV radio news. Al Shaver and Hal Kelly, that's Dan Kelly's brother, they will again handle the radio and television play-by-play respectively for the North Stars for the upcoming season. Shaver will announce his fifth straight season on WCCO Radio 830 on your dial in Minneapolis, while Kelly has signed a two-year contract with WTCN-TV, also Channel 11, in the Twin Cities. The New York Rangers got their first player under contract uh, this week. And a, it's a guy showing a bit of leadership, and well, he should. Vic Hadfield has been named the new captain of the Rangers, replacing the traded Bob Nevin. And this week, he became the first of the Rangers to sign his 71-72 contract. And of course, no contract terms were announced. I guess these signings kind of prompted Bud Poiley better get off his butt, so he was trying to get his three juniors he drafted in the early rounds of the June draft, amateur draft from Quebec under contract. Uh, they are Jocelyn on Bobby Lallon, and Richard Lemieux. And what uh, Poyle was saying is that their lawyers were being a bit difficult. So what uh, Bud did is he got a hold of the two lawyers representing the three players, and of course all three players, and he flew them out to Vancouver to show them how beautiful that city on the west coast actually is and nothing happened by the end of this week but i think if you know the history at all you know that that was probably a good move the three young players were sure would be very very impressed with vancouver a few more signings as the week was drawing to a close st louis blues got a couple of uh Uh, Forwards, left wingers, actually Jim Shires and Mike Perizzo on their uh, NHL contract. Shires was acquired in May from Detroit in the trade that sent Ab McDonald to the Red Wings. Of course, these were all part of the deal that the uh, Red Wings acquired the vet, uh, or sorry, the Blues acquired the veteran Carl Brewer from the Red Wings. Perizot was the second leading scorer in the Central Hockey League last year with Omaha, and he was drafted in the June intra-league draft from the Rangers. Canadians got some people under contract. Ivan Cornway signed his contract, as did veteran center Henri Richard, who actually signed... A two year deal, and Sam Pollock, general manager of the Canadians, said he was happy with the negotiations that were going along with first overall draft pick Guy Lafleur. Jerry Patterson, who is the business manager for Guy Lafleur, said that during negotiations he is feeling that uh, on a contract he was confident that a contract would be settled by early next week. And he said that Guy Lafleur will become the highest paid junior hockey ever in his first NHL contract. Now, I don't know about you, but by this time in the, the summer of 1970, I was getting a little sick and tired of Al Eagleson's seemingly almost daily updates on Bobby Orr's contract status. As I went through the papers, the newspapers that I go, and there's about 25 of them at least that uh, that we read. It seemed that every other day, almost every day, there was a, a note somewhere about the status of Bobby Orr's contract negotiations. Well, Eagleson, as the week on due to a close on Saturday, said that Bobby's contract won't be for five years, but will probably be only for three, but it will be for $200,000 a year, which will make him the top play uh, player in hockey. Uh, if you think I've, you've heard me say this before, it's because I have. eagleson goes and says it's a five-year deal then he says it's a three-year deal then he says well it's bobby that wants the three-year deal he wants the five-year deal we would learn years later that al was making sure that he was well taken care of a lot better taken care of than his uh, famous client one of the bigger stories this week did not involve the signing of a national hockey league player or in fact did not involve any national hockey league player the story actually concerns a retired player's son one of two of Gordie Howe's two hockey playing boys figured out where he's playing for the coming season. Marty Howe, age 17, the eldest son of Gordy, became a Toronto Marlborough, ending long speculation about which Ontario Hockey Association Junior A Series team would land a young defenseman and Frank Orr, the Toronto star, had the report for us. Frank says that Marty and his 16-year-old brother Mark starred for the Detroit Red Wings in the Western Ontario Junior Hockey League last year. And that group is about one grade below the OHA Junior A Series in the two-tier system in Canadian Junior Hockey. And I'm happy to say Well and Sabres were in that league, coached by Don Simmons. And I got to a few of their games and got to see Mark and Marty play. And uh, boy, they did catch your eye. Now, Mark won the league scoring title and earned its most valuable player award while Marty earned all-star defense honors in the league because of the great appeal of course of the Howe name. The Detroit team was a superb gate attraction in that western Ontario league drawing large crowds in the other city not only Welland but Guelph, St. Thomas, Chatham and Brantford. The hockey proficiency of the Howe lads and the claim by their father that he wanted them to play for a team in the OHA series led to a heavy courtship of the Howe family by several teams. St. Catharines, Montreal Junior Canadiens, and Kitchener were leading candidates along with the Toronto Marlboros. Tommy Smythe, the youthful Marley general manager, said that he thinks the Marleys were successful because they used a low-pressure approach with the Howe family, and that sort of helped Marty in choosing the Marleys. Tom said Gordy has had a very busy schedule this summer and there aren't many days when he doesn't make an appearance somewhere and he also has hockey schools that he helps out with. We kept a close eye on the situation but we didn't bug the Howe family all summer. Tom said that uh, he figured that uh, the boys were approached by practically every junior team in Canada but that the Marlies could offer an outstanding package. The hockey setup for the Marlies is the best there is in junior hockey. The team's traveling isn't too rough. Toronto has great conditional facilities. And the key is the Howe family felt that their son would get a great education in the city of Toronto. Of course, there's no doubt that after Marty has signed, that the team is hoping that Mark will follow his brother and both boys would suit up for the Toronto Marlboros in the 72-73 season right now it was looking that Mark would stay home and play for the the Detroit Red Wings junior team once again this season Pat Kern of the Montreal Gazette reports that Gump Worsley was competing at blue bonnet raceway in Montreal this week uh no the the NHL goalie isn't taking up jockeying or anything like that and Mr. Kern responds Uh, explains in this report. Pat writes that Leo Demers is an old hockey fan, uh, so as a serious man in charge of entries, he didn't appreciate the joke when he read that Gump Worsley was listed to race tonight at Blue Bonnets. Tom Savage, who trains for John Ferguson's double-two stables, he wasn't fooling around. This Gumpersley is a two-year-old thoroughbred named after the goalie of NHL fame with the Rangers, Canadians, and now the Minnesota North Stars. He's a big, handsome gray colt bred near Vancouver by Ferguson and his Uncle Bill by Tall Chief 2 and Joy D. Uh, Fergie, who's a close friend of the Gumper when they were with Canadians, tells how he named the Hope. john said well it goes back to, to three years ago when we were resting in the laurentians during the playoffs i told gump about the mare and fall and said if we win the stanley cup i'm going to name it after him the gumper thought i was joking but we won the cup and i sent him pictures of the colt after he was full since the colt needed work on his knees fergie didn't have much hope of racing him as a two-year-old and only by chance did he ship him to Blue Bonnet. Fergie told Pat Curran that his uncle had done a great job on the colt and he seems to be completely fit. Johnny actually had no intention of bringing him to Blue Bonnet until he heard that Noel Hickey was shipping a carload of mares from Vancouver. There was room on the train so here's Gump Worsley ready to race in Montreal. We've been telling you all summer in snippets, bits and pieces about this Upstart World Hockey Association. Uh, Up till now, it's been a lot of talk, a lot of speculation, lots of rumor, lots of innuendo. But there really wasn't a lot of uh, meat on the bones of this skeleton. Not a lot for us to go on. Well, this week we got sort of an official word about a uh, big U.S. city saying they have a franchise. A semi-pro Milwaukee ice hockey club said on Tuesday of this week it had been awarded a franchise in the New World Hockey Association. And the interesting part is this particular franchise already has plans to build its own rink. The Hockey League developers who proposed to begin play in the fall of 1972 also helped found the American Basketball Association and I think we told you a bit about Gary Davidson and Dennis Murphy and you're going to be hearing a lot more about these guys in the coming weeks. As for the, the Milwaukee a group, Irvin J. Marar, he's the president of the Milwaukee Admirals Hockey Club, Inc., said that his team is the first to confirm membership and what a sponsors hope is going to be an eight-team major hockey league. Private sources are ready to invest in a hockey arena in Milwaukee, and that could be used for both The World Hockey Association team, pro basketball, tennis, and other indoor sports. It's known that the Milwaukee Bucks of the National Basketball Association have complained about the seating capacity of the city owned Milwaukee Arena, but they haven't yet been contacted by the Admirals about switching to the proposed new rink. Marar estimated that the franchise price tag for the World Hockey Association Club, including hiring of players, is going to cost the, uh, probably an initial investment of about $2 million. The new association, Marar says, intends to compete with the National Hockey League quote, on every level, seeking players in Canada, Europe, and from the United States Colleges. Marar did issue a bit of a a cautionary note. He said that if a Milwaukee arena isn't built by the time play begins next year, then we are in big trouble. In this case, Marar said, we'd have to search around for temporary facilities, and it doesn't look like Milwaukee has the facilities that would be suitable. So The team in Milwaukee, while they say they have a franchise, it's not a slam dunk uh, issue yet. Uh, This team could end up darn near anywhere. We're not sure where anywhere could be. Now, pro hockey has a very sad history up to this point uh, in the city. Three uh, predecessor teams all died untimely deaths. But Morar says that the team can make it with good media exposure, uh, television, and advertising potential is increasing the value of hockey franchises. And he thinks that the Milwaukee team, probably to be called the Admirals, will thrive in that Midwest city. Had a nice report this week in the Montreal Gazette on one of hockey's good guys, uh, Ian McDonald of the uh, Gazette updates us on former Montreal Canadian, now Los Angeles King, Ralph Backstrom. Ian writes that Ralph Backstrom sipped on a beer in the patio of his $78,000 ranch-type bungalow high on the Santa Monica mountain range in the fashionable Brentwood district inside. Ah, this is the life. This is the only place. Ralph said that he and his family might just settle in of santa monica for good ralph born and bred in the canadian north canadian northern ontario mining town of kirkland lake is certainly enjoying the climate that he finds in southern california and who could blame him ralph his wife fran and their three kids are still ironing out the kinks in the new house and ralph actually in Los Angeles right now, tells Ian McDonald that that's why we came down here early. Ralph says he wanted to give himself plenty of time to get settled before the start of the Kings training camp. He didn't want anything on his mind, but hockey, once training camp starts, Ralph knows he's nearing the end of his career. He has to give his job as a hockey player full attention, and that is exactly what he intends to do. Ralph has been running about two miles a day and pedaling on a stationary bike for at least 10 minutes a day. He says he's working harder than he ever has before. A training camp. He says, "Uh, you know, I'm 33 now and I figure I've got several good years ahead of me, especially in this uh, NHL Western division. Ralph says, I want to be in excellent shape because this will be the first time that I'm sure of getting a full chance. I want to find out if I have a 30 or 35 goal season in me. This is going to be a real good season out here in Los Angeles Ralph says the team is after a big game goalie and uh, the management was telling him that Larry Regan says he's got a goalie in mind and he's definitely going to get him and Ralph says if we get a goalie we'll make the playoffs and there's absolutely no reason why the Kings cannot finish second behind the Chicago Blackhawks Backstrom and teammate Yuha Whiting had just recently returned after conducting a month-long hockey clinic in Osby, Sweden. Backstrom Mike Byers' Jill Morat will run a clinic in Los Angeles just before the King's training camp gets underway. Ralph says that this is just virgin territory here so far as hockey's concerned and he says there'll be more clinics in the future and coaching seminars and official schools and the population in Southern California is going to get an education. Ralph said, I hope to get into the hockey equipment business. If the big schools ever take up hockey, and I think they will, the equipment business is going to be booming. Ralph says he's sincerely grateful to Canadians for trading him to the Kings. Ralph said that he only agreed to come back last year if they would trade him to either Vancouver or Los Angeles. He definitely wanted to be on the West Coast. And well, things have worked out just perfect for Ralph and his family. Ralph uh, could have, you know, he's made enough money in his hockey career that he could have paid cash for his home, but his accountant advised him to take out as high a mortgage as possible on the $78,000 home because, Ralph says, he says you can write off the interest on your mortgage here in California, and that's just one of the things that Ralph says is better In Southern California, cars are cheaper and the gas is just way cheaper than it ever could be in Montreal. Clothing is much less expensive, especially with a family when you have three kids. You don't have to worry about buying winter clothes in Santa Monica. Ralph also says that food is less expensive and you can always get as much fresh fruit and vegetables as you want. You just feel healthier in this climate. Backstrom says he'll send his kids back to Montreal for a few days in the winter, let them catch a cold, and then they'll appreciate California, a sure cure for homesickness. Ralph is one of a new breed of hockey players who keeps in daily contact with his stockbroker in Montreal, and he admits that he's done very well in the market. He says, I've I've used my hockey money to make a lot of money on the market. You can't ever make it with a salary. You have to make your money work for you. Backstrom's only the second member of the Kings ever to buy a home in Los Angeles. That seems amazing, but that's true. The first guy who bought a home in Los Angeles, Eddie Shaq. Who else? You know, the flamboyant Shaq would love Hollywood uh, area of the west coast but thanks Eddie for buying a house here. They traded him to Buffalo shortly after the purchase closed. Backstrom was treated very well by the Kings from the time he arrived there. He says the people are so good to us here. The Kings gave me an air-conditioned car for a few weeks until he got organized and he said anybody who gets traded to Los Angeles They'll get the same treatment. Sounds like he's trying to sell the team to players who may have a choice about going there. Backstrom uh, related that the Kings have arranged for his family to go to Disneyland and for the kids to see the circus at the Fabulous Forum. You don't have to ask them to do things, Ralph told uh, Ian McDonald. The Kings, they just do them. You want to play and win for people who treat you like that. The Backstrom's home is about three and a half miles up a winding road off Sunset Boulevard and Ralph was toying with the idea of pedaling a bike up the winding road for added exercise. The youngsters are registered in a top flight school and the Backstrom neighbors include such people as Red Skelton and Art Linkletter and the list goes on and on and on ralph glances across the mountain range to the ocean and he looks to the other side of the fog enclosed city below and he says see we're above the smog here it's just beautiful the evenings are wonderful and it's like this all year round ralph backstrom very happy on the west coast of the united states in southern california Well, this is a time of the year, if you read any of the hockey media, that teams are touting uh, newly acquired players as the next best thing, uh, big names possibly, franchise players, players that the folks back home in places like Oakland and Minneapolis and Philadelphia might not know the uh, these names that came to the teams. And uh, the Philadelphia Flyers actually were, were no different. And what we wanted to do here is kind of give you an example of a not-so-well-known player and how he was covered by the media in his city Uh, A fellow by the name of Frank Spring who ended up going from Boston to the Flyers and Bill Fleischman of the uh, Philadelphia Daily News wanted Philadelphia fans to know about this possible budding star who came to their team. And we have Bill's report for you here. Frank Spring is six foot three 210 pounds which is big enough to attract attention darn near anywhere. The Boston Bruins noticed Spring in 1969 when they drafted him as the second best amateur in Canada. The Bruins had acquired their number one and number two choices that year. Opponents also noticed Spring. One of them was Jimmy Mayer, the Flyers' rugged young defenseman. Mayer was playing for Quebec and Spring for Hershey when they collided last season at the Spectrum. One jolt from Mayer and Spring lumped out for the season, injured to finish the year. Well, that scene illustrates the biggest criticism of young Frank. Spring, he takes more punishment Danny he hands out. Spring, who was excused from the Boston organization when the Flyers picked him in the recent intra-league draft, was in Philadelphia this week to have his left knee examined. Spring confirmed that the knee feels good, and he also confirmed that Sprank, Frank Spring's mild-mannered days are completely over. Frank told Fleischman, I've learned You gotta be tough. When I first came into the pros, I didn't have any idea what to expect. I thought if you leave the other guy alone, he'll leave you alone. Well, I found out that in the pros, that ain't true. I plan to be as tough a training camp as I can, and I also plan to make it with the Flyers this season. Frank said he didn't mind playing in the minor leagues for the last two years, but he doesn't want to be playing down there. Ever again. Frank, he's a twenty one year old resident of Cranbrook, British Columbia. And he said all this without shouting and swinging the nearest hockey stick. But the news that he expects to fight his way onto the Flyers lineup should make the competition for the right wing berths very, very interesting, perhaps even violent. Five veterans are already stationed on the right side. They have Gary Dornhofer, Lou Morrison, Simone Nolay, who signed his contract this week. Cliff Schmatz, the newly acquired Larry Mickey, and of course the Flyers' number two pick in the NHL first round of the draft, Pierre Plant. Frank says he knows the situation. There's always competition for positions in the National Hockey League. Frank's brother, Danny, by the way, was Chicago's first amateur pick this year in that draft. And he said he he was glad to hear that he'd been drafted by Philadelphia. Frank puts it this way trying to beat out a 15 or 20 goal scorer in philadelphia has got to be a little better odds than trying to beat out a 40 or 45 goal scorer in boston who is rife with goal scorers up and down the alignment but frank says he's not taking anything for granted he knows that it'll be tough to make the team in philadelphia Buddy said, I think uh, I know the Philadelphia team. We could watch their games when I was playing at Hershey. They were all on the television there. And you might say that I even became a Flyers fan before they they acquired me. Well, Fleischman says the Flyers... They've got lots of fans, but what they need is someone besides Gary Dornhofer who can score from the right side. Spring's pro record is respectable, but hardly overwhelming. He scored 17 goals, 22 assists in 62 games for Oklahoma City a couple of years ago, and last year... He only played 43 games before he was injured, and he had 12 goals and 12 assists. Frank says, I feel I should have scored a lot more at Hershey. I wasn't scoring the first month of the season. Then they put me on a line with old Mike Nikolik, and I started scoring. And then, of course, the roof fell in. I got hurt. Well, oh yes, what about that knee injury? Well, Spring says that he went through uh, a physical exam in Philadelphia this week, and it, uh, the exam su- substantiated his belief that the knee has, re- has uh, healed very well and is just fine. Frank said, I had cartilage removed in February. I was ready to play when Hershey got knocked out of the playoffs. After I got home, I was working in a lumber mill and I twisted the knee again. It swelled up, but it's fine now. I played in a couple of charity hockey games in Canada and I had no trouble. Now, Frank can say the same thing after a few hard workout sessions in training camp this year things might just be all right and Frank Spring might score a few goals for the Philadelphia Flyers this season. So that is this week's show, everyone. We're sorry we didn't have more meaty news for you, but I thought we gave you some good insight into some of the things going on this week 50 years ago. And what exactly did we learn this week? Well, we learned that one of Gordie Howe's sons is going to play Junior A hockey in Ontario for one of the most storied OHA franchises that there ever could be, the Toronto Marlboros. We learned a firm plans to locate a World Hockey Association team in the city of... Of Milwaukee, and the team even wants to build their own arena and put the NBA team in there as well. And we heard about a few signings, and we learned about a minor pro hockey player who is going to try and make his mark with the Philadelphia Flyers and we'll keep an eye on Frank Spring's progress throughout the fall training camps and hopefully the seventy-one seventy-two season. So here are a few of the stories we're working on for you next week. Uh, We'll have some news about a couple of NHL teams that have started using an electronic brain to collate scouting information. We'll tell you which teams they are, and uh, we'll let the teams explain just what these computers are doing for them. We have news on the U.S. wage and price freeze uh, initiated by American President Richard Nixon and how it will affect the National Hockey League. And uh, NHL President Clarence Campbell had some very interesting opinions on what the U.S. president has instituted in that country and we'll see how it affects uh, hockey players across the NHL. There will be lots of player signing news this week with that August 20th deadline looming but one of the more high profile signings will see a National Hockey League coach Get a five-year contract. We'll tell you who he is and what team he's going to be coaching. That's all next week on 50 Years Ago in Hockey. The 50 Years Ago in Hockey podcast is produced by Andy Cole. I can't thank Andy enough for all his hard work. If you want to do a podcast, Andy could probably help you out with that as well. Get a hold of me and I'll hook you guys up. The very popular Juno-nominated Toronto indie rock group, the Rural Alberta Advantage, provides our intro and our outro music. If you ever get a chance to see them perform live, they put on a great high-energy show. I saw some clips of their show they played in Edmonton this past weekend as I record this, and they haven't lost a step. They're still great. Our research comes from files from the Toronto Star, the Toronto Globe and Mail, and of course the many fine publications found at newspapers.com. We can find this every week on the Hockey Podcast Network. We're on Twitter every day at Hockey 50 years We have a Facebook page, Hockey 50 Years Ago. Well, actually, it's 50 Years Ago in Hockey. We have a WordPress site, Hockey50YearsAgo.com and you can get the podcast as well on your favorite podcast app. Thanks again for sticking with us through this summer. It won't be long now and the 1971-72 season will be underway. We'll give you all the previews, all the predictions and carry you right through. And on that note, we will see you next time. When the ice breaks.